Conceptions of reality provide people with a sense of meaning, that life is significant and permanent, and consists of more than just taking in food, expelling wastes, and temporarily clinging to survival on a rock hurtling through space. Hello listeners and welcome viewers to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinoma Bitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listeners and viewers, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hi, people. Hi, Akin. Wow, what a quote. What a quote on the front end there, huh? That's a way to open. That's a way to do it. I mean, it's a heavy paper today. Thick, heavy topic that we're going to go into. It deals with basic human motivation. (laughs) So in terms of the study itself, let's kind of give a shout out. It's called The Scrooge Effect. Evidence that mortality salience increases pro-social attitudes and behavior. And this is by four researchers, Ava Jonas, Jeff Schmiel, Jeff Greenberg, and Tom P. How would you say that, Akin? I wouldn't. <laughs> It'd be like, the, what's up? Let's go what's up? What's up? Yeah? Okay, no, I think that's pretty good, man. Uh, right. Yeah, sure. We apologize in advance, uh, Tom. We um, our best. My bad. <laughs> uh, and this was published in, uh, what was the journal? I do not know. I never check. I (laughs) I receive them and I read them and I'm like, (laughs) just get my highlighter out and I'm like, okay, here's some interesting notes, man. (laughs) So yeah, so what was... It's personality and social psych bulletin. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) Also, what's this all about then? Wow. Okay. This is big, heavy topic here, but it is the idea that all animals are struggling for their survival, okay? And that's how we evolve, because we're struggling for survival. But unlike all the other animals, it seems, we have this notion of a self. So like, we know that there's a point where we're not going to exist anymore. Whereas the other animals, the idea anyway is, the idea is the other animals don't know that they're not going to make it. But like, we know that no matter what happens, there is a point where our self will no longer end. And this creates terror. This creates And I terror. guess this, yeah. So this paper is about how we, what we manage that terror. So it's kind of, it kind of feels to me like reading through it kind of felt like coping mechanisms. Like yeah. how do we kind of get a sense of control of, of understand? How do we grasp? Like when you talk yeah. about us being on this rock hurtling through space, like how do we grab onto something that feels yeah. real so yeah. that maybe even if it's just in our heads, we yeah. can kind of feel a bit like I'm in the driving seat that's here. That's it's it. not all just happening to me, but I, you know, I'm playing a bit of a part in this. I think that's really well put. And I think that's what the notion, when I first started reading the uh, quote, it's this notion of conceptions of reality. These are these mythologies that we create as almost like a fabric or a story that we can embed ourselves into so that after we're gone, that part of ourself continues almost like there's a legacy involved. If not us, then in the system of beliefs that we believe in, yeah, and that that 
Yeah, it makes a lot. I guess it would make sense to me because I guess I'm also part of this. Like I have my own ways of like coping with mm. reality and my existence mm. and my place in this infinite universe. And it makes sense to me because there, there seems to be lots of rules and laws that we can apply to, to other things that make a lot of sense to us in sense of like, you know, gravity and I don't know, water is wet. Mm. And mm. But when it comes to what's going on in our head, mm. quite a lot of it does live theoretically. Like there's like what goes on in my head. I can't like grab it. Like it's not this tangible thing. Mm -hmm. So I need to create something in my head that feels like psychologically I can like grab onto it. So it's like, that's my, like my lifeline. So it's kind of like I create some sort of, I guess, laws, like the same way we'll have like laws of physics or like, you know, laws of like other, other stuff, but it's like in my head, I need to make sense of what is going on and then I can like manage this, uh, this journey that I am on. That's right. That's right. And, that, and for that reason, we create things like governments or we create things like nations. You know, we like, we say, okay, well that river is the dividing line between your land and our land. And of course, like the earth doesn't know about that. <laughs> That's not like a physical reality. That's the, the, earth, the earth is just earthing, right? It's just it's like, what, what, are they, what are they doing now? Like, like, no, that's your bit. That's your bit of <laughs> Or like, yeah, like governments or religions or like systems of law or like systems of marriage. Like the world doesn't know about any of those things until we're like, oh, we'll totally just call it that. And then everybody's like, yeah, that seems totally serious now. You know, yeah, to an um, extent, it's um, it's as if we cannot accept the simplicity of life. That's right. Like that's it right. seems like with the other animals, maybe they are a bit dumber than us, or maybe they are wiser than us, and they've it's realized right. that hey, man, all I've got to do is just eat this grass, chase this tail, and I'll be fine. Like that's about <laughs> it. But like we seem to attach so much yeah. meaning yeah. to everything to the point where it's like it can be quite like anxiety inducing yeah. at times when you yeah. just. And they, they do induce, I, they don't say it explicitly, but in the, I want to say the second study, yeah. that would have, there was a question they asked in the yeah. second study, which would have induced uh, some anxiety oh, yeah. within myself. So yeah, yeah, terror. Yeah, yeah, terror. And so I yeah, just a quick, oh, go ahead. Well, I would oh, just follow up on your really good point there that the reason why this terror, at least they hypothesize, they theorize that why this terror exists is because we have this notion of a self-conception that seems to be like the really big deal. Like this, this interesting phrase is similar to other living organisms, human beings have this instinct for self-preservation and survival. But unlike other organisms, they have the, we have this like prefrontal cortex, these intellectual capacities that make us painfully aware that we're going to die. Like we like none of us has ever lived over 115 years. That's the outer thing. Pretty much we're dying around 90, 94 years old. And that's if we're really lucky. And like we know all of this in advance. So like by the time you're 50, 60 years old, you know you're like two-thirds done for sure if you're lucky. Other animals don't seem to know that. Like a dog's not like, oh, shit, it's the 10th birthday. Things are getting kind of <laughs> scanty here in terms of my life. You know, they don't know that. So like they just eat their dinner and like you can walk outside. So anyway, by, you know, that creates an existential terror. And that's why, to be honest, you're not far off at all when you said that you created anxiety because, like, we humans don't like to think about this. We flinch from it. You know, we don't like funeral parlors, even though it's the one thing that binds us all together. Like, we're all going to mm, die, but we kind of yeah. like pretend that that's for other people. Like, <laughs> 
Hey, like a little mini tangent. It is very interesting how within certain societies, we don't like to talk about the things that do bind us all together. I guess there's some things that we do like to talk about and there's some that we don't. There's some things like, uh, like everyone's got to sit on the John maybe once or twice a day. Mm. We don't really like to talk about that so much. Mm. Like when it comes to like things like sex, we don't really like to talk about that so much. But we love to talk about dating and we love to talk about like cooking, but we don't like to talk about the other side of the coin. And similar, it's like we love to talk about the life not so much the death. That's so interesting. Yeah, I'm going back to, we love talking about cooking and eating, but then when it has to come out the other side, it's just, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so good. Until, until your doctor asks you, it's like, what if you're, you know? it's like using words like movements and well, stools. It's just a bit like, okay. and I imagine there's people like oh. listening now who are like, no, don't talk about this. It's disgusting. Um, so yeah, there were two studies. Let's look at my background, like, by the way. I forgot to put my squeezing the orange. Are you yeah, good with I, 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 I'm good with it. I'm good okay, with it. Yeah, little, and I, I, each time we do one of these, I get a bit more of an insight into into your world. Then uh, I've kept mine uh, private. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tell us about study one, then. Yes. Yeah, so study one. So yes. Let's see. Off the top, study one. They were trying to look at if you can if you can influence people's thoughts so that they're reminded of death, what does that then do to their behavior? And the hypothesis here was that if you are to induce the, the thought of death in someone, their, I guess their attitudes in terms of how they think, they're going to be, be thinking in a more pro-social and probably a more charitable way. Yeah. Is, was yeah. there anything you wanted to add to yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually really good, but I love what they call it the Scrooge effect. And I think that that's a way that listeners and readers can get this really quick, which is like in that beloved fable, that story, you get the Scrooge that's this miser and kind of mean to everybody. And they, they show him how he's like, you're a jerk and you're hurting all these people and the ghost, <laughs> and he doesn't care at all. And then they show him his grave. And they say, like, you're going to be dead pretty soon. All of a sudden, he's like, holy shit. And then he becomes nicer and he starts giving. He starts, what you might say, fitting into those norms of society about what good people do. They help other people. And if you're just like a miser, like hoarding your wealth, and that's not a good person in society. And so when you start reflecting on death, you start thinking more like, I should be a better person. Like, this isn't, I don't have that long anyway. And that's the point of that they're really trying to create in this is if we basically inject this anxiety about death, people ought to be more likely to do these kind, beneficent, pro-social acts, like give charity money and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you mentioned it earlier, but yeah, this idea of like, of legacy, like, so I'm not going to be around forever, but if people are going to remember me after I'm gone... How do I want to be remembered? Like, yeah. do I want it to be like, hey, glad he's gone because he was a jerk? Yeah. Or would I want to be remembered as it, oh man, like actually some days he was, he was right. okay. <laughs> he was less than a jerk. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> so, so yeah, so um, they, they used some very interesting means. So they were able to do a field study here where they were able to kind of like catch people like on the street. So kind of think yeah. of like charity muggers, like the people yeah. who get you to, to sign up to save a panda. And like the pandas don't even want to save themselves. You're not getting any of my money. So think of that, but with like research studies and they wanted to get them to do like a very quick uh, questionnaire. So they wanted to set up because they have to measure whether the the idea of death 
is influencing their behavior. So they need to measure it up against something. So they went to like a, a block and on that block, there was a, a funeral home mm-hmm. or like parlor. Did they call them funeral parlors? Home. Uh, in the United States, they call them both. But in this study, okay. they're calling it a funeral home. Yeah, but you can call Because a parlor sounds like you could get a drink there as well. It's, uh, <laughs> Maybe gamble. Let me get, Potentially gamble. <laughs> let me get a whiskey on the rocks and let me put... 20 bucks on red (laughs) and then maybe i can afford to bury granny (laughs) so so what the experimenters did is the people who would be able to view the funeral parlor they want to tell them explicitly so when they were getting when they were like engaging them in conversation they were doing so in a way so the person who is like being who is participating in this study like let's say over the shoulder like in the background they can clearly see this funeral home. So the idea was that it just work. be this. Yeah. So it's just this subtle. Yeah. They were doing work on like the signage. Right. Yeah, so it was yeah. like really like, so it's just this subtle kind of like reminder. And then there was another group of people who they just went like a few blocks away. So they did not have that kind of, I don't know, flashing reminder that death is coming to get you. Um, uh, oh, so yeah. Do you want to, do you want to take over from there? Though? Well, it's a little funny and I think it's worth putting out here. They didn't get many people. I had that noted as well, yeah. They had 17 males and 14 females. That's a fairly small sample size in our field. I mean, generally speaking, you'd be looking at 80, 90, 100 people. So, you know, whatevs. I mean, the thing is, the reason why you want so many people is for statistical power. And they did find statistical effects, statistically significant effects. So it's not like I'm knocking them for it, but I would say that it must have been hard to get people to do the short survey outside of Howell's Mortuary. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a cold day as well. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, here's what they did. They basically gave people um, 10 different charities and they said, rank order these charities. And like, which one do you think is the most important? Which one do you think is the least important? And then they said, okay, in exchange for participating and uh, doing this little survey, we're going to actually donate $5 in your name to any charity in this choice. So, oh, look, we're actually donating charity this number three and this number four on your list. So go ahead and like, which one of those two do you want to donate to? So they pick and, you know, they kind of get personally involved and then they give them a little questionnaire and they ask like, how beneficial is that society? Um, I mean, how beneficial is that charity to society? How much do you think society needs that charity? How desirable is it? They ask all these questions about like how good and important those charities are. And then what they would have hoped to have find according to the theory is that those that were in front of the funeral home said that the charities were more important than those that didn't have that death salience. And by the way, Akin, as a little aside, have you kind of noticed that people are being a little nicer now that we have this coronavirus threat going on? Oh, totally. Like, um, like people are like, oh, all of a sudden might have a chat with my neighbors. Oh, all of a sudden I might volunteer. Um, Uh all of a sudden, like, you know, I might like smile at someone whilst they're walking down the street. Like it's, I feel like it's made humanity a little warmer and that would be totally consistent with what's happening here. It's like when you prompt the fact that we're dying pretty soon. Like this may not be your day, but your day is definitely coming. You know, once that's prime, that's called increasing the death salience. This motivation kicks in to be pro-social. And that's what they found. And like specifically what they found is on a scale, 
the difference between those that were standing in front of the funeral home, they said 51 on average, that it was a 51 importance when you added those up versus those that were just two blocks away where there wasn't a funeral home said 44. And, you know, that's actually a pretty big jump. That's like almost a 10% swing in terms of being pro-social and thinking that charities were important and so on, just like by being a couple of blocks away. And um, that couldn't be random. That's what the statistics tell you is statistically significant difference. It sounds like we could improve societies vastly by just building funeral homes on every street. (laughs) Like, I feel like... We need to, Mm -hmm. we need like posters on the sides of buses that are just like, Hey, (laughs) today could be the day. (laughs) Maybe, uh, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things I want to say about that, but I don't think we have time. All I want to definitely say for now is there's a whole stream of research. And by this, I mean like 200 studies suggesting that there are ways in which death salience also does make people into jerks because what Ooh, it does, yes. it creates in-group biases. So it, for instance, it increases racism. It increases in-group biases. It increases nationalism. It makes people want to fight more and go to war more without groups. So it's, when you have this death flash and you're in the in-group, you know, you're part of my neighborhood, you're part of my country, then it's like a bonding effect. But then we dislike other countries more, and so, we can we'll we'll see a bit of this in study two. Yes, we will see well. a little bit. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. So because we can we can delve into to study two as well. Because in study one, what they were finding was that the the effect was on people's attitudes, and so they wanted to then see is that attitude did that then translate into behavior? So they set up a, a second study in which they also decided to heavily manipulate individuals taking part so that they could try come to, to some sort of answers. So the second one was a, a lab study. Uh, and this was a lab study done in a university, the name of which I cannot remember at the moment off the top of my head. Uh, but again, it was, Arizona. It was quite, I think it was the Arizona? University of Arizona. And again, the numbers were, were pretty shy. So they originally managed to yep. get 18 women and nine men. But yep. then, <laughs> speaking of racism, they had to kick two people out Did they? <laughs> because they were foreigners. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was joking, but it makes sense. We're going to get into the study, and it does make sense as to why. I would just love to have known how that conversation went. Oh, you're one of them. Oh, oh one no, of them? Oh, I'm sorry. Your data is no good here. <laughs> You're a little too brown for this study, is that? But, but you can still have the buck fifty. <laughs> so, but they also um, they also kicked out free people for being too intelligent. So a university running a study dismisses free of its very own students because those free <laughs> students were a bit like, yeah, I think I understand what this study was about. Oh, then, so, no, you're too bright. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> you're no good either. Yeah, we, we, need, we need the worst of you, the worst. You and your insightful ideas can go out the door. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Take your insight and don't let the door hit you with a good, with a good Lord's split. <laughs> so they, they divided these individuals into, into two groups. So one of the groups, they, they wanted to incite... <laughs> Mad Dan, this, know, this study was just you couldn't make okay. This I'll, I'll, I'll let me read, read it out it. loud. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it out loud. You have two groups. So in one of the groups, they want to, I guess, remind them of their impermanence in terms of like their physical and 
possibly their conscious state as well yeah. in terms of life as we know it. And then the <laughs> other group, they just wanted something that seemed a bit, um, I guess, uncomfortable. So yeah. they went with yeah. like, I guess, a dental treatment or dental yeah. appointment. Yeah. So yeah, like one group that is a bit like, you're going to die someday. And then the other group's like, we've booked you in to get like, I don't know, a root canal. So the, so you get these like these students who are like, okay, cool, man. I'm going to take part in the study so I can get a bit of course credit. And then maybe I can start my summer a bit sooner and then they sit down and the group says in the deaf group, the, uh, the first question that they're asked is, oh my God, where the hell did I, oh, I like spent all of this time building well, up. You got it right there. It. Oh, there I it is. It. Yep, I yep, got yep. it. But before they didn't give it as the first question, they buried it in a bunch of yes. what you might call like run questions that kind of like, I don't know, that kind of tricked people into thinking it could have been other things like filler and so like they yes. get like a projective life attitudes assessment and so on. But then they get to the point where one question is, please so yeah, the first briefly describe the emotions that the thought of your own death arouses in you. Briefly. <laughs> just if you could just, if you could just briefly. And then like, if that no. wasn't heavy enough, the second one was jot down as specifically as you can what you think happens to you as you physically die and once you are physically dead. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess it does the job, right? Wow. Like that's if anything's going to make you think about like no longer being around, those yeah. two questions probably pretty much on the nose. And so the other groups in the uh, the dental pain kind of like uh, they had like similar questions. I couldn't find questions. what those questions were. They were the exact same, it would be like this. Please describe the emotions that the thought of a dental, you know, pain arouses in you. And then jot down as specifically as you can what you think will happen when physically when you receive this dental pain. So, so like uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. The dentist is uncomfortable. You think they would have developed some of their tools a bit more, right? Like every time I like every, I didn't go to the dentist for years. I didn't go. Yeah, I thought the dentist. I don't think they care. Every other like group is like innovating and trying to make things better for people. Like the phones are like frigging basically connecting everyone. And then you go to the dentist and it's like, what is this frigging 1906? What are you doing with that chisel? And he's like, oh no, just sit back and relax. And the dentists are like, they're real like, like they're not even trying to make you feel good. They're like, by the way, this is going to be excruciating. (laughs) This is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. Yeah. We've got a bucket. And and they come out with a drill. Blood into. Yeah. Dyson in my mouth. (laughs) Okay. So what they wanted to look for here is they wanted to see like, they'll, they'll do these studies. Let's tell people about the buck 50. Because ah, yes, it actually is important. That's very important. Very important. What they did is they told people ostensibly for participating in this study, we're going to give you a buck 50. And they gave it to them like in quarters because they wanted to ensure that the people had some money to spend. And that actually is like kind of an important piece here because then what they then did is they gave them actual charities to read about while they were waiting for the study to be done and then said, if you want, it's completely up to you, but if you want to, you can donate to these charities. And it's anonymous as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really important. I mean, I know it sounds like it's kind of funny and stuff and, you know, they're going to, you know, maybe it's, they give a buck or a buck 50, but they are using their own money. So as Akin pointed to, the study one is just your attitude. You can say anything. But on this one, you are actually putting money in a physical envelope and giving it. 
Totally. Uh, and so what they wanted to measure, uh, I guess, in a very kind of coarse way. So the individuals that are reminded of their, I guess, that they're going to die someday versus the ones who are going to like sit in a dentist chair, who's going to give more money to charity? Essentially, that's what they were looking at. But not only that, they, there was a lot of manipulation going on here. Mm-hmm. So the brochures, there was, uh, there was like a, a brochure regarding, so this was done in America. So it would have been like a, uh, an American charity. Mm-hmm. And the other brochure was for an international charity. Right. So this is why they had to boot the foreigners out and say, no. <laughs> you got to go back home. No. Get used to it. <laughs> Go back where you came from. Okay, let me see. Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty, all right? Yeah, yeah. So they wanted to see, like, okay, then so one, which group is going to give more to charity? But also, like, when Dan was talking about how the reminder of our death pulls us closer into our own culture, they wanted to see whether there would be a difference in terms of who's giving, would you give more to, like, an American or to a, a foreign, and they did find this, and they found it very, very strongly. Yes. But there's another smart thing that they did as well, because they like they counted the brochures. So like, um, I think there was like a housing thing, yeah. and they yeah. like I don't know, like a build a well or a. Yeah. That's right. I, I can't remember what the two of them was like housing and education. Maybe that's right. That's right. They, they flipped the brochure so that, that yeah. like half the group got one yeah. version, half got another. And that's very important because some people might just be more drawn to charities right. that are related right. to education. And some might just be like, Oh, you know, I was homeless for like X amount of years. So that's more important to me personally. So by mixing it up and having a bit of a 50, 50, you can kind of like, I guess, uh, not moderate but well you basically can say that it wasn't the charity itself that had the effect it wasn't the cause of the charity itself what it was was a large statistically significant effect where for the american charity either one didn't matter which um american charity people on average gave a buck 44 so they almost gave like almost the whole amount on average the whole thing yeah whereas the international charity they gave 33 cents it's a massive, overwhelming difference. I mean, it's, it's a huge difference in effect size, if you think of it. Whereas in the dental one, the American charity was 88 cents and the international charity was 49 cents. And the dental one, those weren't different from chance. So basically what you have is the death intervention worked, but it only worked if it was an American charity. Yeah. So let, yes, I guess like uh, with the, with a little bit more time that we have left, like, um, I guess what would be some of your, your takeaways from this, Dan? What would be some of your, your, your high-level kind of like standout things from these, these studies? Yeah, the most important thing for me is just going back to the top. I mean, the individual effects are really, really interesting. The, th- the thing that I'm intrigued by deeply in reading the introduction is how hard these folks have thought about what makes humans humans and this idea that humans have a self and know they have a self, which is both a pleasure and a pain. When you know you have a self, then you express it and you sort of look for the uniqueness in it and you value the uniqueness in it. But then the pain is, you know, it's going to end because as soon as you know, you have it, then you know, you're not going to have it forever. And so that's called the human condition. That's one of the elements of the human condition is that we know that we will end. And I think that for me, just remembering that that is such a vital part of what we're all up against, you, me, and all of the listeners, we're all up against that same condition, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. 
And what this study does for me is it shows how, even though we don't like to think about that, we don't like to talk about that, it influences all of our decisions every day. And this study was just a really good one to show how these, you know, relatively small tweaks, you know, the people weren't really approaching death. Like, it's not like they had heard from a doctor that they had cancer or they had a certain amount of time to live. <laughs> Mate, I wouldn't be surprised. You're, you're a bunch of researchers, right? <laughs> Some of the stuff that I've read in the studies that you've sent me, Dan, I wouldn't be surprised if one day they were just like, eh, just tell him he's got three months, man. Let's see what he, see what he does. See how he complete, let's see, what, see how he completes this survey. Look at him. Look us. at him in there. You can imagine like two-way glass. Look at him in there. He's worried. He is, he is worried in there. I think he's calling his mum. I think. <laughs> let's write that up. That's important science. <laughs> Okay, what about you, Akin? What what is the takeaway from your lens? I tell you what, the it's not a unique takeaway, but it's more a reminder. And for the life of me, I can't remember if it was like a philosopher or an artist. Um, but I know there's a there's definitely an art piece in which it's kind of like a desk, and on the desk there's a, a skull. And I think there was either a philosopher or an artist who kept a skull on their desk as a reminder of their own impermanence. And for them, it may have been this urgency, like take some urgency in life because you're not going to be around for a while. But for me, it's actually quite comforting, this idea that if I could just not necessarily obsess about the fact that I'm going to die someday, but the more and more I can come to accept that as a reality and live in that reality, What's actually quite comforting is that could then possibly make me a bit more nicer and kinder to other people. And knowing that the, knowing that this might cause me to do it explicitly to my in-groups, having that awareness, it might just kind of open up something within me where I'm a bit like, no, let me just try share that love with, with, with everyone or as many people as I can. That's a really, really nice thought. It's a great way to end um, our podcast. There's a quote by Haruki Murakami that says, death is not the opposite of life, but a part of it. And your comment is, if we can just remember that truth, it can help us savor the moments as gifts. You know, it can, it can remind us that what we're doing with our time right now is finite, but very, very valuable. Whereas if time was infinite, which is kind of how we all live, right? Like life's a dress rehearsal, right? Then you don't really value it. <laughs> and I think there's something really basically beautiful about ending our, our podcast today on that thought. Thank you. Adam. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Dan. Also, and thank you listeners and viewers also for tuning in, squeezing the orange. This is a podcast and we're kind of like remixing it to, to cope with um, current events, let's say. Uh, but yes, if you are listening on your, your podcast app, if you're on iTunes, if you could pop us a five star review, that would be very much appreciated. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, hit like as well. Drop us a comment as well. Like in terms of, I guess your thoughts, your feelings, we post, this bad boy up on twitter on linkedin some other social media platforms we love hearing from you we love in, we love conversation as well so if you've got any like questions or comments do feel free and if you know anyone who you think yeah man someone could do with like you know listening to this episode or one of the previous ones in our back catalog just send it over to them and if it sounds like they don't want to listen to it just say please send it maybe before i'm die like <laughs> like uh, 
<laughs> just uh, just like put a little urges. Yeah, yeah. Stoke their fire somewhat, man. But thank you very much, uh, listeners. Thank you very much, viewers. You guys rock. Enjoy the rest of your lives. Woo! Ciao from Dan and I. Bye. Peace. Good luck, everybody.